So this morning is not only Easter, it is council meeting morning. It's the way it fell on the calendar this year. And I was thinking about this as we think about sharing um, in in an accountable way to the brotherhood, whether or not we have peace and we want to take part in communion. And so how does that go along with Easter? Do you want to talk about the resurrection or do we talk about having peace? And as I thought about it, the, the more I thought about it, it's like, well, how do we have peace with God? And if we don't have peace with God, it's going to, we're going to struggle to have peace with other people outside of the fact that Jesus Christ died and rose again for us. I'd like if you would turn with me to Romans, a passage that probably some of you, or at least some of you been here for a while, know that I've shared on before, but thinking about this idea of having peace with God means that we have a right standing with God, and having a right standing with God basically is where we get the idea or the term justification or being justified. And if you look through the book of Romans, you'll see that term used a lot. You'll see it there and in Galatians and other places as well. So in Romans chapter 4, well, the first three chapters of Romans, as you know, basically uh, the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Spirit, goes through and shows how all of us, all of us are estranged from God. We all need God. All of us have gone astray. It doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, whoever you are, no one has a right standing with God outside of Jesus Christ. And then he gets into, uh, and you'll see that there in verse in chapter 3 where he says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Go down to chapter 4 and he begins to talk about Abraham and how Abraham was justified. And he wants to put forth this idea that was somewhat new to these people that you are justified or you have a right standing with God based on your faith and not on what you can muster up and do. They were used to fulfilling the law, the works of the law, and all of this. And so if I keep the law well enough, well, then I've got peace with God and I'm justified in their their idea of at least having uh, a right standing with God. Now, lest somebody gets nervous about this, James brings out the other side of this, that if we indeed do have faith, then you're going to see it in our lives. And that is so true. And we'll look at some verses even in Romans that bring that out later. So we get to this. He's showing about Abraham and you follows through chapter four. And you get to a point where, where he, basically Abraham is acknowledging the fact that for he and his wife to have children, basically it's too late. It's not going to happen outside of faith. And so then what I want to do is we're going to look at verse 24 or 25, and then we'll jump back and look at some of the other verses here. But so in verse 25, this is a verse that kept coming to my mind as I was thinking about the resurrection and having peace with God and expressing that this morning. Who He's talking about Jesus, who was delivered or died, suffered and died for our offenses or our sins and was raised again. For our justification. So he died for our sins because of our sins. But if that's where it would have ended, that would have been a sad story. He died for our sins and it's all over. No, he was raised again 
so that we can have a right standing with God. And then if you go into the next verse, therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can't really separate the idea of having peace with God and expressing that to the brotherhood outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it really does come together. It was John Murray when he was talking about verse 25. I'll read it again. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. He said, the apostle provides us with a statement unsurpassed in its succinctness of what is comprised in the gospel. If you really want to look at what is the gospel, Jesus was delivered for our sins and rose again so that we can have a right standing with God and have peace with him. If you go back to verse 19 in in this passage here, it says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he he wasn't weak in faith, and those were part of the picture. It says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now I want to stop there for a second. How many of us, when we're in the, the deep times, when, we're, when we don't see God working like we think he's going to? And remember, it's been a little while since God promised Abraham he's going to have a son. And he's going to have a son with Sarah. And he's going to, you know, he, remember he, he took him out and he showed him, look at the stars in the sky. Your children and your uh, descendants on down are going to outnumber the stars. Look at the sand on the sea. Look, it's going to outnumber. And all this promises. And Abraham's recognizing the fact that, as we might say in our, in our lingo today, that ship has sailed. It's too late. It's, it's over. And yet, he says that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Who of us in that place in our lives would stop and give glory to God? Don't we tend to give glory to God when we see the promise fulfilled rather than when we are living in faith knowing God has made the promise and waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. At least for me, I tend to give glory to God when I, okay, the promise, yeah, he said he'd do this, or yes, this, or so that, or. But Abraham gave glory to God. And then, as I've told you before, I think the the most beautiful picture of faith in the scriptures, or the maybe the greatest explanation of it in verse 21 when he said that he was fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, because of that, it was imputed or it was counted. It was put to his count to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed If we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification, 
Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know exactly how you think about what it takes to have peace with God. What does it take to have a right standing with God? I know for myself, I I too often want to have this list of things. Well, okay, I got this and this and this yet to get in order. And then, you know, we got, and, and no, that's not. It's faith in, you know, Friday night we had a good Friday service. We talked about Jesus dying on the cross, his suffering and his death. This morning we talk about the fact that Jesus is risen from the grave. If we, if we don't believe that with all our heart, we don't have a right standing with God. If this morning you're here and you are struggling, you're saying, you know what, I'm just not sure I can believe it. I, you know what, I just, that just doesn't make sense. I don't believe that. Then please don't say you have peace with God because you don't. You really don't. You might be living a very good life. You may be dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's in your life, and just living a picture-perfect life. But if you think that's what gives you the right standing, and again, I'm not saying that's not important. Of course it is. And we'll see some verses that go along with that. But this morning, if that's where your faith is, is in your own ability to do well enough, to please God, you can't say this morning you have peace with him because you are not justified. You do not have a right standing with him. You must believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again. And this thing about the resurrection, and I thought about going through the book of Acts, for instance, and some of those places, and we might look at least one verse there, but the the early church, That was the fundamental question when you came into the church. Do you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? If you didn't believe that, I don't think you were a part. I think that was was it. Sorry, when you can believe that, you can be a part. You can't believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Physically, you can't be a part. That was the question. Now, of course, there was the thing of repentance. There was a thing of amended life. There was all of that that went with it to be saved. And, and you can't just pull that out and say, okay, well, yeah, I believe he rose from the dead. Okay, well, then it doesn't matter how you live. No, that's not the point. But that was the question. And so this morning, when we think about the, the fact that we are here this morning, and we're really every Sunday, but we think about it especially on Easter Sunday, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. That's where, that's the crux of the matter. If he did not rise from the dead, then there's no point in us being here. There's no point in us talking about justification. There's no point in talking about peace with God. We might just as well all go home and get to our Easter dinners early today and forget it. I mean, that's what it, it boils down to that. Jesus rose from the dead. And if you go through the book of Acts, especially over and over, you'll see that. Do you believe this is what it is? It was proclaimed and proclaimed, and it's all throughout the New Testament. Believe in your heart of the resurrection. Here's something to think about, especially for early Christians and maybe even for us. Does it take faith to believe that Jesus was crucified? 
Now, you could say, well, I wasn't there, so I didn't see it. Now, it takes faith to believe that his crucifixion did something for us. But the fact is, there were a lot of people the day that Jesus was crucified that believed he was crucified. They could walk through it and see it. You can read secular writers from the first century that wrote about this Jesus being crucified. In all reality, that doesn't take a lot of faith. It's a historical fact. And and in a sense, it doesn't take a whole lot more faith to believe that than to believe that President Lincoln was assassinated. I wasn't there to see that either, but I read about it. People talked about it. We know about it. The apostles, the disciples, the first believers believed that Jesus was uh, crucified, but their faith wasn't much. They all went home. Some of them, they, they didn't know what they were. They thought it was over. It's a done deal. They didn't have much faith. They knew the fact that he had been crucified. Now, it does take faith to believe that his blood that he shed atones for sin. That takes faith. Because you can't just see that, in a sense. You can see it. You can. But it's not the same as just the fact that he, that he died. But the fact that he rose from the dead, again, there is evidence for it. But that takes a different kind of faith than to just believe that he died on the cross. Secular people believe that as well. When it came to the resurrection, though, a lot of people had seen it. There was evidence. Paul brings out a lot of evidence, especially in 1 Corinthians 15. There was evidence for the resurrection. People saw it. People heard about it. But today we have faith that he rose from the dead. And a lot of that is based on 1 Uh, hand accounts of what had happened. So the blood atones for our sins. The blood allows for forgiveness, for confessed sin. The resurrection brings a resurrected life, and the blood takes away the old life. The resurrection brings new life. Turn with me, and you're in Romans there. Go over to chapter 6. So I'd like to correspond a little something here with, with Abraham, and what he, what he was believing. So he looked at himself and Sarah as being dead as far as the ability to bring forth children. That's kind of how he viewed it. Considered them basically they were kind of they were past that. Yet he had faith that God was going to bring life out of that deadness. And when we place our faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when we place our faith in him, there is an understanding that out of our deadness, this dead old flesh that is uh, sinful by nature, that out of that can come life. Abundant life. Not just life, but God gives life and he gives it more abundantly. He, He gives us life. And so in Acts or in Romans chapter 6 verses 7 through 11 he says for he that is dead is freed from sin 
Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon, and I believe that word reckon there is the same word that you'll see over there where it talks about counted and imputed and so forth. That's the same Greek word. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. So you should obey it in the lust thereof. I think sometimes that's where we fail. Is it says likewise reckon. We don't use that word a lot anymore. Reckon. Well, I reckon it's going to rain, or I reckon you know we just don't use that. At least not in this part of the country. But I think we need to certainly use that understanding. At least I do. I think there are times in my life when I don't reckon myself to be dead to any kind of sin, sinful thought, sinful action, pride, um, whatever it might be, completely dead to it. I am dead to it and alive unto God. It says here, in verse um, 7, he that is dead is freed from sin. And from my vantage point, I can see tombstones out through that back door. You can't unless you all turn around, but I can. I can see them right out there. And the people that are out there in the cemetery, it says if you're dead, you're freed from sin. People that have died in Christ are out there Sin isn't bothering them at all. They are dead to sin. Can we live more that way now while we're alive? Do we have to actually be dead physically to be dead to sin? Or can we in this life be dead to sin? In other words, it doesn't have any power over us because we're dead to it. We died to that. We're Maybe sometimes what we need to do is on our desk or our mantle or somewhere, maybe we we need to have a little tombstone that says, I died, put a date on there to sin, set it there as a reminder. You know, we have dates on these out here. We can go out and see when someone was born, when he died. And yet in this life, I, I think for myself, Sometimes I don't reckon it quite that way. I allow things to come into my life that shouldn't. Or, or maybe it's just, you know, someone said just sin. One of the greatest sins is just going through life not paying attention to God, just kind of ignoring him. And, you know, we can, we can get busy and life goes on. Day goes, comes and goes and we're busy and we're, where's God in it? And so... Do we reckon ourselves completely dead to sin, but alive unto God? Why? Because Jesus died for our sins, and he was raised again for our justification. We can have a right standing with God. Go over to chapter 8. Verse 
verses 11 to 13. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, and if you are saved, he does, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies or make your bodies alive by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We owe somebody something, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So not only can we have this right standing with God, that's what it means to be justified, having a right standing with God gives us peace with God, then we can have a right way of living through the resurrection of Jesus Christ because his spirit dwells within us and gives us life. I want to look at just a few verses here in the New Testament that go along with the the fact of the importance of the resurrection in our belief system. If you go back to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, as we see this uh, I guess first sermon maybe here, early church preaching here after Jesus' death and resurrection ascension. And if we get to verses 22 to 24, he says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, God knew this, God allowed this, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, resurrection chapter there. Starting at verse 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 15. Yea, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. For if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Then they which also are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Starting at verse 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks to you for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance of this in the saints, 
And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, excuse me, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. <coughs> excuse me. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And it put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all the things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, that filleth all in all. And my voice has just about left me. Oh, maybe I reckon my voice to be dead. <coughs> Excuse me. And then let's go to the book of John. <clears throat> John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And that's my question for each of us this morning. Believest thou this? Do you believe that Jesus Christ was delivered and suffered and died for our sins, but that he was raised again so that we can have a right standing, be seen as righteous. That's what a right standing means. Be seen as righteous in the eyes of God, and because of that, have peace with God. And it's only because of that that I can stand here this morning and share with you, and not because of how good I am, not because of position or anything like that, not because I've done so well, but because of Jesus Christ, that I can tell you that I have peace with God and my fellow men as much as lies in me, and I want to take part in communion with you all. And that's so wonderful to know that it's because of what Jesus Christ has done and our faith in him. I'll let the other ministers express peace at this time.